It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the real reason why Penn State versus Ohio State is not the whiteout game. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. As always, I'm your host, Zach Seiko. Thanks for joining me for another episode in this edition of Locked on Nittany Lions, yes, we are going to figure out the reason, do a little detective work, why Penn State versus Ohio State is not the whiteout game and why Penn State decided that Minnesota was a better fit for the big home game of the year. Go through the video that's been circulating online. James Franklin getting a little feisty in the Michigan Tunnel. How that transpired, what the heck even happened, and why it happened in the first place. And then finishing with James Franklin's weekly press conference, it was actually fairly short, uh, but there was one particular quote that I think we all need to continue to discuss. It has to do with Sean Clifford and Drew Aller as that conversation continues to be had. We begin this episode with the real reason Penn State is playing the whiteout game versus Minnesota and not Ohio State. I will begin with the television networks. The way that the college football season is decided, well, it has to do with money. Uh, When you look at the viewership for some of these games, I think Alabama, Tennessee clocked in at 11 million viewers and Penn State and Michigan clocked in at six and a half million, roughly about those numbers. The TV networks all get together at the beginning of the season and they have essentially a fantasy draft for what they believe will be the biggest games throughout the season. And then they go around the rotation, Fox, ABC, ESPN, the the major TV partners. NBC is not really factored in as much because they have the agreement with Notre Dame. But it, it basically goes around and around, CBS included. And Fox had one of the first picks. They went with Penn State, Ohio State with one of their early draft picks. ESPN, ABC wanted Ohio State, Notre Dame. Don't blame them. But that was when Fox ended up going with Penn State, Ohio State. Okay, so why doesn't Fox put it in prime time at night? 7.30, 8 o'clock kickoff. So it can still be a night game and everyone's happy, right? Why does it matter what network? Uh, A few reasons, actually. Number one, conflict with the Major League Baseball World Series. That is something that they didn't want to put Penn State, Ohio State on FS1, They didn't want to move the baseball game to FS1, and they didn't want to have that conflict at night. Number two is actually a big part. You see a lot of games at noon on Fox. Now, why is that? Fox likes to put their prime game at noon for the big noon kickoff, have the the tailgate, uh, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt on the broadcast. That is their main broadcast group. But then they send the, the group out, Brady Quinn, Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, and company Urban Meyer to those games as their their rival to college game day. So they like owning the noon window, and and it translates so. You look at the TV numbers, Fox blasts 
all the other competition when it comes to that first game at noon. CBS does that for the 3.30 game, and ESPN ABC owns the night game, essentially. So Fox wants to avoid competing with ABC and ESPN for nighttime viewers. They want to own the first game of the day on Saturday with a 12 o'clock kickoff, and that's exactly what they do, and they do it well enough. Okay, so now here's the part where Penn State factors into the equation. They've done 3.30 and noon whiteout games before, but a new era under athletic director Pat Kraft and just the way that the game has evolved. It's not just a whiteout anymore. It is truly a presentation. It's something that everybody looks forward to. It's not just simply a gimmick anymore. When they first started it back, what, I guess almost 20 years ago, I guess we're pushing that 15 to 20 years now. The whiteout game has to be played before November. Penn State does not want a night game when it is really cold. And there's actually a rule, if you didn't know this, that if Penn State is going to play a night game with any other Big Ten opponent in November, they both have to agree to it. One party says no, they will not play a night game. That's why you traditionally don't see Penn State play late season uh, games at night. They're always noon or 3.30. You can basically predict the schedule uh, at this point uh, from here on out, even though the kick times haven't been announced. Besides the point, they do not want the game to be when it is really cold. They want it to be a, a nice fall setting, and actually Saturday is setting up to be very nice in terms of temperature, in terms of weather. It's supposed to be sunny all day, a high in the mid-60s, and, and a cool mid-50s to 50 degree for when the game actually kicks off. So, right, it's the perfect setting. They don't want rain, wind, ice, snow, sleet in the middle of November. And I totally get that. The preference was Ohio State. But when Fox said to Penn State, hey, this game is going to be at noon. This is where we want to put it. This is our prime slot. You have to adjust. So if you want to run the whiteout, we greatly encourage that. That's why you had in the offseason Penn State putting out the polls. They were saying, asking fans, hey, what is your preference? Do you prefer opponent? Do you prefer a nighttime game, and actually the polls said nighttime game. Penn State took that into consideration, and I think they agreed. It wasn't strictly a fan vote that they were uh, looking to get some confirmation from. But at the end of the day, Penn State chose to go with the night out game, the night game for the whiteout game, as opposed to the opponent. So that is why it is Penn State versus Minnesota. Once ABC, ESPN kind of got word about that, they knew what their selection was going to be because they like carrying the whiteout. And that was really the only game you could pick besides Ohio State because Penn State definitely had the opportunity to go with an Ohio State and just make it a day game, excluding Maryland and Michigan State in November. What were any of their other realistic options? Just think, just think for a moment. Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, and there wasn't another, uh, Auburn was on the road this year, Purdue was on the road this year, and it was right at the beginning of the season. So Penn State really didn't have a lot of options outside of Ohio State and Minnesota. They wanted to go with the aesthetic, the whiteout, when it's night, it it really does have a glow and effect to it. Everything's uh, really dang bright. And actually, you ask opponents that, 
about the whiteout at night. They say it's at, with everybody dressed in white, uh, it does provide a little bit of glare on the field and, and makes the scene because it's dark out, but somehow it's actually really bright. So the, the whiteout does do the trick in terms of aesthetic. So that is what Penn State is going for. Minnesota does have a little bit of kick to it. You know, the Golden Gophers, yeah, they're not ranked right now. Maybe they should have been. Uh, they're four and two coming into this game, but they are a quality opponent. Are they a, a B list team right now? Absolutely. They are not the caliber of Ohio State and Michigan. But think back to 2019 when Penn State had its undefeated run ended by Minnesota. It was at Minnesota, but the Golden Gophers beat that Penn State team 31-26. to That was not a fun game. And honestly, it, if it weren't for a bad call on a pass interference in front of the end zone, Penn State wins that game. Sean Clifford was the quarterback. So yeah, there's a little bit of a revenge factor there. That team ended your perfect season. How about the other side of it? I don't think that Pat Kraft and the athletic department and Penn State uh, properties, everybody that goes into planning these events, right, sat there and said, you know, this is an opportunity for Kirk Shiraka to have a revenge moment. Let's make the whiteout game. But you have to think about that from the storylines, the headlines this week, right? Kirk Shiraka comes in, is the offensive coordinator in the COVID season of 2020. He's a Pennsylvania guy. Like, this game's going to mean a lot to him. It's a revenge game for him personally. He was the offensive coordinator for Minnesota in that 2019 game. And essentially, he was shown the door and blamed for what happened in 2020. If it weren't for the COVID season, I think that Kirk Shiraka would have worked out very well. And I was very pleased with that hire when it happened. I thought that he was going to do incredible things because the the stuff that he was working with at Minnesota to make Tanner Morgan look the way that he did he had NFL talented receivers, right? And Rashad Bateman and uh, Tyler Johnson that season. But that Minnesota offense, a lot of that had to do with game plan. And Tanner Morgan's a shell of himself from that 2019 season. He's still around too. If he's healthy, he's going to play in this whiteout game on Saturday. But the COVID season, you were blamed for the problems and then you you were fired after one season and said, you know what? Nope. Uh, we won't even look past that it was the COVID year, the COVID season. Why don't you just move on? And then P.J. Fleck, of course, hired him back because that makes the most sense. So that is why the Penn State game against Minnesota is the whiteout and not Ohio State. It strictly has to do with the fact that there are no other available games. Penn State wants the night game, and they sacrificed Ohio State at the price of it. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. When we return, we are going to talk about the Michigan Tunnel debacle. What was going on? Why the Nittany Lions and the Wolverines were fighting, pushing, shoving, sharing words as the two teams were going to the locker room. It's actually a little simpler than you think it would be. It is not all that complicated. It's Locked On Nittany Lions. Today's episode of Locked On Nittany Lions is sponsored by Sweatblock. This is directly from a customer review. Chris suffered from excessive underarm sweat for 10 years. He was so worried about sweating through his dress shirts that he started tucking maxi pads into his shirt to soak up the sweat until he found Sweatblock. Chris was able to fix his problem with Sweatblock. Sweatblock was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating and his doctor created and doctor recommended. 
If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try SweatBlock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at SweatBlock.com. Also available on Amazon. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. The Michigan Tunnel. There's actually only one of them. It's not tunnels. It is tunnel. There's a video circulating online of James Franklin uh, yelling. Uh, there were a few cell phone video angles, media members, uh, maybe staff members taking some video. Uh, you could see the Michigan perspective of it. A uh, big, big crowd of Michigan players uh, and a few select. You might have been able. This was the first angle I saw. You could see a few Penn State players, but mostly all of the Michigan players. You didn't really hear anything. You just kind of saw, you know, hey, something's going on. Like these two teams are mingling, uh, to, to say the least. Then you got the Penn State side of it, where James Franklin is yelling. He's dropping F-bombs. He's saying, who the heck is this guy? Keep in mind, this is supposed to be a clean episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. Franklin was fired up, and, and rightfully so. Michigan has one tunnel with two locker rooms across from each other, one for Michigan and one for the away opponent. This is a recipe for disaster, okay? And this isn't unique to Penn State, saying, oh, the Nittany Lions, you know, we're, we're rowdy and we're giving Michigan problems. Uh, okay. There's video evidence uh, of this happening other times with Michigan and, oh, how about Ohio State? Michigan is going to host Ohio State this season, I wouldn't be surprised if this happens again in 2022. But go ahead, look it up on YouTube. Michigan, Ohio State. There's video evidence of teams getting together. So the problem is not the fact that, yeah, you want to, you wish that players would control their emotions a little more. Somebody said something to somebody, and then that's how it starts. And I, in the heat of the emotion, the high of the moment, I understand. I can't relate. I've never played Division One college football, pro football, whatever. Uh, so I don't know, but I can understand to those teams being literally a few inches and feet from each other, not on the football field, and somebody just talking trash, talking smack, and so that's what happened. And then maybe, thank goodness, there were no fights and shoving and pushing. It was strictly verbal. Uh, but the video itself, uh, James Franklin getting fired up. You know what? I kind of like seeing it. it it's I've, I've seen James Franklin be kind of, he's just really calm on the sideline. He's got a calm demeanor to himself, a serious demeanor, other, other than when he's energetic. At times you see him being energetic with the team, with assistant coaches and whatnot. But when he deals with the media, when he's on camera, it's, trip, it's typically stoic. And that's fine. You, you know, that's the way he conducts himself. Uh, he's a very energetic guy, a very emotional guy. So to see 
remind me that he does have this side to him. I, I don't know. I found it. I found it pretty cool, to be honest. Who was he talking to? Because if you watch the video, if you watch the angle from James Franklin's point of view, you don't really, you just see the Penn State football players and Michigan players start to be separated and go to their separate locker rooms. It looks like he's talking to Jim Harbaugh. Maybe if you freeze the frame and zoom in on the corner and you and you hyper-focus, hyper-focus, you can tell that it's Jim Harbaugh and He's trying to say, you know, hey, Jim Harbaugh, get your players under control. This wouldn't have happened. And I think he's precisely right, you know, if if Michigan doesn't say and And that's just me buying into James Franklin. You know, the team's very respectful. They carry themselves very well. All those players, you, they, there are no problem players on the team. And I don't know the Michigan roster up and down. Um, but I'm going back to the fact that Jim Harbaugh can't keep his team under control and that they would do something like that just to stoke the flames. They got separated, no no suspensions. You just kind of have a bad PR situation with James Franklin swearing, dropping an F-bomb on camera. That's that's at least the worst that came from it, right? You don't have any any fights or anything worse or somebody a player saying something really bad um, it, it was kind of James Franklin who's going to have to own that, and there's no, it's not like he's not going to recover or anything. It's really not that big of a deal. But I'm going to steal this from the play-by-play voice of Penn State football and men's basketball, my colleague, I work with him uh, daily, Steve Jones. The new TV deal kicks in soon, and all of the Big Ten teams are going to get an influx of cash. Use that money to construct another tunnel and another locker room away so that this does not happen. And Michigan won't do it, right? I don't expect them to say, you know, well, the, the Penn State uh, Michigan teams were, you know, uh, arguing a little bit at halftime. You know, now we, not, we need to invest uh, $50 million into reconstructing the stadium. It would just be good in general because this still happens more often than not with Michigan and any of its rivals. I Whatever, I'm not going to debate, oh, Penn State and Michigan are rivals, Michigan State and Michigan, uh, Ohio State Michigan. It just happens frequently enough. Let's keep the two teams separate and not give them the opportunity for something really bad to happen because when emotions are flaring, something could happen. Beaver Stadium, Penn State runs out of the student section. The, north, the south end zone tunnel, right? And where does the opposing team come from? On the other side of the football field, going right to their respective sidelines. The teams don't have to intermingle and shove themselves into a bottleneck to decompress for a first half of battle where you are hitting the guy across from you for the first 30 minutes. That's just really it. Uh, maybe they consider it now that they have more money in the athletic department. Uh, maybe they don't because I think the they they don't want to concede seeding or anything else because you would have to take away a chunk of seeding. Uh, but how much seeding would you have to take away uh, if that's the if that's the reason why you can't do it? I, I can't I can't argue. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't in terms of architecture and financing. I I really don't have the expertise. But uh, if you have the means, which you do, I think you consider this. 
This is Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks for joining me, Zach Seiko. When we come back, Franklin had his weekly press conference yesterday. It was pretty short, pretty quick. Listen to it live. Um, and there weren't really many of those drawn-out quotes, but there was one in particular that I think we should focus on. We're going to focus on that next. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your first restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. I use Upside at the gas station. It's super easy to use, and it is not too good to be true. It works. To get started, download the free Upside app, Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. We discuss the whiteouts and the Michigan-Penn State argument in the tunnel at halftime from the Saturday game. I honestly I don't want to talk about Penn State-Michigan anymore, uh, but I, I will in just a moment here because it is very eerie how the 2016 and 2022 seasons are kind of matching up a little bit, the, the framework anyway, which I, I will finish this episode with. James Franklin spoke to the media 26 minutes, actually. Normally, it's about 35 to 40. This press conference was 10 to 15 minutes shorter than usual, and I was kind of joking around with friends and saying after the game, I said, well, at least I know that Franklin's weekly press conference will be a little bit shorter this week, right? And it was, sizably. Uh, it ended before 1 p.m. Eastern time yesterday. It goes from 12. It starts at 12:30 and usually goes to about 105, 110. It didn't this time. Answers were short, brief, uh, which you can kind of understand. What is there to talk about when you're kind of reeling from a loss and trying to manage your emotions? A big takeaway from it was the fact that uh, James Franklin really couldn't provide any injury updates on Sean Clifford and Landon Tangwall. Uh, since they had not practiced yet, Monday is an off day. Monday is actually an NIL day when players get the chance to work on business deals and work on promotional campaigns for themselves. But James Franklin did admit multiple times when asked about Clifford's shoulder, why Tangwall wasn't in the game because he was injured uh, in pregame warmups. And he said, I will share with you if it is a season ending injury. So we at least know that much, right? That Sean Clifford and Landon Tangwell's injuries do not end their seasons. We know at least that's that much. But this was the one question in particular that James Franklin actually gave an extended answer for. And it goes, 
Probably in football in general, everybody likes to talk about the backup quarterback. There are a lot of people now that would want to see Drew Aller, both media and fans, everybody. What would you say to those people that are calling for a possible change at this point? And James Franklin answers, again, I don't agree with the statement, everybody, but I guess there were there are a lot of different things that I would say. I think, number one, that's the wrong message. That's the wrong signal. Sean has earned the right to be on the field. That doesn't mean that Drew hasn't done some good things. We would love to get him an opportunity and continue to grow and develop him for his future. No doubt about it. It's just interesting. We've kind of talked about the whole dynamics of college football and how it's changed and specifically at Penn State. But I got a text from Mike Kosicki on Sunday when I was breaking down the film. And in 2016, we lost to Michigan and played Minnesota the following week and found a way to get that win. The rest of the season went pretty well. So I think there are tons of examples, not only at Penn State, but across the country where you do everything you can possibly to win the next week. I think some of those approaches aren't necessarily about winning this week, in my opinion. That's good to see that Mike Kosicki and James Franklin are still in good contact. And that and that was a team that had a lot of talent, um, but they were getting dragged through the mud. Uh, if you remember, they were 2-2 two and two at that point. They had lost to Pitt. They played a close game against Temple. And then clocks cleaned against Michigan, 49-10. This time it's 41-17, but it's really not all that different, is it? The schedule's a little different since they open up with the Big Ten these past couple of seasons here on the road. But like 2016... They're getting that Michigan game on the road and then a home game against Minnesota all over again. Deja vu six years later. Uh, Penn State won that game 29-26 to in overtime. Saquon Barkley had that masterful juke. Irvin Charles, if you remember that name, had a big, long touchdown reception, a catch and run. Uh, honestly, the play that saved that season, if you remember it well like I did, seeing it uh, a little bit in person. The quarterback situation, right? James Franklin has to be the only coach in the country that is fielding these kinds of questions. I, The fact of quarterback controversies, I can understand, where you have two guys that are, are at the same level and they're, they're battling it out because it was so close. Drew is a true freshman. And unless he is the second coming of Trevor Lawrence... Are you really going to make that switch? Because that's what Clemson did. Kelly Bryant was the starting quarterback, and Trevor Lawrence beat him in practice. Bryant transferred, entered the, left the team, and Trevor Lawrence took over, and we saw how successful Clemson was with him that stretch. These coaches see these two quarterbacks every single day. They do inter-squad scrimmages. They throw different things at them. It's not about, can you complete the pass? There's more to that in football. It's about understanding coverages. It's about reading defenses. It's about checking plays. Drew has the athleticism. Drew has a stronger arm than Sean. We can see that. But everyone's watching the same games that I am. How much more accurate has Drew been than Sean? We've some. We kind of neglect some of those passes, and I don't want to criticize Drew because I think he will be a really good quarterback. But we've seen some of those passes that just fly out of his hand. And they're behind wide receivers. Uh, they're wobbly, uh, wobbly, something that you just wouldn't expect. And maybe because he's trying to throw it too hard. 
drops by wide receivers because it's not necessarily put right in in the best window. But we've seen some ones that are like, hey, you know, that's good. And, and Drew has shown that. But in terms of Sean Clifford, I agree with him. He's earned the right. I agree with James. He's earned the right to be on the football field. Has he not performed well as of late? Northwestern, Michigan don't provide the best stats. Yeah, that's true. Let's circle all the way back to when Trace McSorley had that stretch of games. He didn't perform that well against Michigan in 2016. Nobody did. Would you just automatically bench all of your starters in that case? Now, here's the thing. It feels like this conversation's been going on for a long time because there was a portion of the fan base that wanted Tommy Stevens to take over for Trace McSorley. And Trace McSorley leads almost every single passing category, every single quarterback category in Penn State history. James Franklin stuck with him. Sean Clifford's the veteran. He knows the offense better. He knows the system better. He knows how to read defenses better. He's just the smarter player. He's also the captain of this team. You don't want to bench Sean Clifford after going 5-0, and leading the team to a top 10 spot for the moment, and then having a bad game against Michigan. Back to 2016. What, was James Franklin supposed to bench Trace McSorley when he had bad games? Because there were some, and one of them against Michigan. I just don't see it as such. Now, I will, I will pose this. If Sean Clifford is not 100% healthy, if he's close, you can play him, but I don't want him aggravating an injury. If Drew is fully 100% and Sean is not, Minnesota is a team where you can start your backup and still come out with a victory, especially if Tanner Morgan's not available. Ohio State should be the one that, and it's it's kind of a look-ahead spot. It is a sandwich game, right? You're coming off a, a bad loss at Michigan. You have a Minnesota team that is not what they were a few weeks ago when they were ranked, undefeated, all that jazz. And now you have Ohio State, which could save your season. 2016, upset win against Ohio State. I'm not saying they can do it, but by magic, if they can... That would save their season and be very reminiscent of 2016. Nevertheless, Drew Aller playing and Sean Clifford resting might not be a bad idea if Sean Clifford isn't fully healthy because then you can have him be fully healthy and you want him at his best, not banged up and beat up going into Ohio State. And that's kind of my point. Uh, Minnesota is that caliber of a team where you can go to your backup and be okay. It'll be a close game. I think in general, if Sean Clifford or Drew Aller plays, it is going to be close. Minnesota's defense is very good. They have a running game. They are similar to Michigan, but they don't have the same caliber of players, obviously. But they are going to have the same kind of game plan since it's now on tape of how to beat Penn State. Tomorrow, crossover episode with Locked On Golden Gophers. I'm excited and get some uh, extended preview of Minnesota versus Penn State for Saturday. And my personal scouting report comes up on Friday. Uh, Turn on notifications for new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Again, Locked On Nittany Lines is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, and I will talk to you tomorrow on the Nittany Lions and Golden Gophers crossover.
Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. That is Locked On Big Ten. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.